Church, are you sure about what it means to live by faith? Are you definite on whether or not the life that you're living is the life that God has designed for you to live? Well, in today's show, we are going to answer some questions that we get often that will help you discover exactly what it is you've called to live. Today's episode of The Faith Life. Hey, what's up, church? It is your dear brother, Damaris Johnson. Welcome to another edition of The Faith Life, where we share with you the keys, the principles, and the methodology that God has given us in order for us to live the faith life that God has called us to live. Remember, it is declared four times in Scripture, demonstrated by Jesus throughout the entirety of his ministry, that the just shall live by faith. In Romans, the first chapter, 17th verse, it says, For the just shall live by faith. In Galatians, in Hebrews, in Habakkuk, it declares that the just shall live by faith. It is imperative that we grasp that message because the life that God has called for us to live will be by faith. We will not be able to declare and demonstrate the glory of God save we do it by faith. We will not be able to emulate and, and determine the outcomes of how we are supposed to live except we live it by faith. We will not be able to uh, uh, um, demonstrate and um, reproduce the life that Jesus Christ lived say we do it by faith so it's imperative that we understand that and so I want to really help you and myself uh, because I as I share with you it, it helps me actually um, what it is and how it is this life is supposed to be lived another thing that I long to do with these podcasts is to demystify uh, what the faith life is is to debunk a lot of the religious jargon we hear and really, really make people aware that the faith life is the most practical life that one can live. It is the most joyous life that one can live. It is one of the most fantastic and magnificent ways by which God has created us to live and walk by faith and live as he designed for us to live as sons of the most high God in the earth. The whole creation is yearning and waiting for the manifestation of sons who walk by faith. But we got to understand what this faith life is all about. Um, the faith life and the word of faith have gotten a bad rap because of some of the, you know, felonious doctrines and perceptions and the way people perceive what was being taught by the word of faith ministries throughout the years. But I'm talking about the faith life. I'm talking about the life that Jesus Christ came and said we're supposed to live that will lead us into the abundant life. And there are hundreds of questions regarding this. I get asked several times all the time about some of the things that I say because a lot of things that I'm saying it's very non-traditional, it's very different, it's said in a different way, it's put in a different context. And the context sometimes, if it's misunderstood, brings confusion. And so there's a lot of questions. And I always speak from the context of what is it that God wants me to live and how is it God wants us to live? I'll give you an example. There was a recently I heard of a preacher talking about um, something about, you know, Satan slept with um, Eve. That's how we got Cain and Cain and all this old foolish stuff and going on and on and on and on and on about that. My question is, what does that got to do with my life today? Like, how is that going to help me live by faith? How is that going to help me live the life of God? See, I don't waste my time sharing that kind of information with people. I don't waste, I don't waste, I don't even go, I don't even read my Bible to discover that kind of stuff. You know, the preacher's talking about this is some new revelation that doesn't come. Who cares about that? Who cares about whether or not Satan slept with Eve? Who cares? How am I going to live this life of faith God has called me to live? How am I going to live this life that God has called me to live? That's what I want to know. 
I don't care about that. How do I live this life of faith that God has called me to live? That's, tell me that. Don't tell me about that foolishness. I don't care about that. It's a waste of time. That's what I can't stand about some of these things that's going to coming out of my pulpit. What, what, what? It's all about the faith life. Read the Gospels. Look at Jesus' life. Everything is but that faith that's made thee whole. That faith. If thou can only believe, all things are possible. He wanted our life to be changed. I don't care about who slept with who. I care about the Satan. Why you get that foolishness from me? It's just, it's, it's, it's so, it, it, it burns me. Forgive me. I get into a, a, a what we call a, um, a, 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 um, What's it called? It's called a holy, a holy disposition or, or, you know, when Jesus went to the temple, that thing enraged him. That thing enraged him, man. He wanted to make whips. Man, y'all better get out of my father's house. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. And guess what? He didn't need a whip to go and move the animals out. He got that whip just in case somebody wanted to get tough. Bring it on. That's another false religion of image. We got to get rid of our Lord Jesus. He was some wimp, some softy. Historians say he was built like your modern day athletes. A stud, ready and able to do whatever it took to get the will of God done. He had a holy indignation. That's the phrase I'm looking for. He had a holy indignation. That thing roused me up, man. Make me want to go snatch folks out the pulpit. Sit down talking about that. Who cares about that? How I'm going to live this life of faith? I need some victory. I need some life. I need, some, I need to see the saints be victorious in life. I need to see a manifestation of the sons of God by faith. That's how it's going to happen. Like what happened by talking to me about whether or not Satan slept with Eve. Who cares about that foolishness? Ain't nothing gonna help my life be lived. Teach me how to live by faith. Teach me what it means to walk by faith. That's what I'm gonna do. And I hope that offends some folk. Sometimes that's what it takes to get folk to change, man. Folk need to get offended in a good way. In love. The Bible says speak the truth in love. Sometimes when you, when you speak the truth in love, folk will be offended. Folk won't get offended, but because of the love aspect of it, they'll be willing to forgive and draw and come nigh and we can just sit down and talk about things, man. That stuff don't matter. Save that for, save that for you and your buddy back behind at the, in your office somewhere. So what I want to get to today, saints, is there's a question that, um, that has arisen, or that I get all the time, I should say, that has arisen. I want to go through some of these questions that I've been emailed and being asked on posts and, and stuff like that. Um, one of the first ones is, does living by faith mean I don't know what's going to happen next? Or I, I'm not going to know what to do next. You know, one of the religious, you know, um, perceptions of the faith life or what it means to live by faith is, you know, you don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know what's next. And, and, and I assume they get that from God going to Abraham and saying, go to, go to a land that you know not of. And, you know, uh, go to a land that, that, that you, you, you've never heard of or you've never seen, you might not even like. Well, what people don't realize is that the Bible says this in Hebrews. Now, remember, see, Abraham, God at some point, in some way, he must have described to Abraham what the city looked like because they, he said they looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. See, he had an idea where he was going. When you walk by faith, when you walk by faith, God will give you a clear description of what it is and where it is that you're going. See, folks who talk like that and teach that they don't know what the faith life is all about they really don't know what it means to walk by faith how can I have the Bible says this faith come by hearing unless I hear something how can I have faith for it if, 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 if I if I hear that if I hear that God I want you to you I want you to go to you know a particular place but God gives me no idea what I'm going for how am I gonna know when I get there how am I gonna know what I'm looking for 
When we're talking about walking by faith, we're not talking about the religiosity of not knowing where you're going, or not knowing what you're supposed to do, what's supposed to do next. Bible says Noah was warned of God of what to do. And then God gave him a specific de de description on, on what to do and how to build the ark. The Bible says Noah, I mean, uh, uh, Moses was given ex explicit instructions, instructions on what to build and how to build and what type of fabric to use and what type of wood to use and you know what type of oil to use and what to put it, what kind of ingredients to mix up the whole. I mean, I mean, all, that, that's that's living by faith. Now there is an element of truth to that thought that you don't need to know or some God won't let you know every little detail all the time. But when we're talking about just, you know, when, when people say that, they're talking about some, uh, I'll give you an example of, of somebody testifying of, you know, um, you know, well, well, brother, where you gonna eat tonight? I don't know. Well, why you don't know where you gonna eat? I'm, I'm just living by faith. Okay, all right, I ain't gonna argue with you about that. But the truth of the matter is, living by faith means you know, or you can know every step of the way what it is God would have you to do. Or else how can you have faith for it? So I want to demystify and get that notion that you don't, to be living by faith, you don't need to know nothing. Or you don't know anything of what's going on or what's happening. You just moseying along, you know, wherever the wind blow you, you going. No, that's not living by faith. Living by faith is when I hear something, I believe something, I get instructions on how to do something, and I execute. That's the faith life that Jesus lived by. That's the faith life that God has called us to live by. We're living in a day to where we can know. We're living in a day that God wants us to know. We are in a perfected revelation of who God is. Remember, the Bible says, the path of the distance is a burning light that shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. We walk in different degrees and revelations of God as time travels, as, as time moves forward. As time moves toward the return of our Lord, the revelation and insight on who God is going to become greater and greater. That's why the church is going to be at a such a level of maturity that he won't be able to resist her. That's how that's going to work. So Jesus and God is a is a is a revelation that's being perfected as time moves toward his soon return. So the the notion of us not knowing and and you know, people take the scripture where nobody can know God's thoughts. So that ain't what the Bible says. Bible said we can know every thought. Paul said this stuff has been revealed to us by the Spirit that we may know. God wants us to know. He wants us to know. So the idea that if you walk by faith, that means you ain't gonna know what's happened next. Foolishness. Foolishness. Okay, um, second question is if I'm walking by faith, does that mean that I'll have to do something that God that I really don't want to do? But because God want me to do it, I got to do it. Or I got to go someplace where I really don't want to go. But because God want me to go, I got to go. No. No. Don't mean that at all. Don't mean that at all. I, I, I believe that that's from the, um, the missionary concept that was established throughout, you know, church history um, and denominations. And fortunately, I didn't grow up in denomination. I didn't grow up in church at all. I grew up completely unchurched, so I had no, no um, association. I had no, no, you know, recollection of, or no experience in having to deal with the the notion of, you know, um, being the missionary to where you know you 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 had to go somewhere you really didn't want to go. You know. Uh, uh, God has called you to go to, you know, the darkest, the darkest region of Alaska and you can't stand the cold. 
Well, God ain't going to call. God, the God I serve and the God I read in, in the Word of God don't do that. He ain't going to do that. See, for that to be the, for that to be the perception of some really means they, they don't know God and they don't know what faith is about. They don't know, they don't know the whole, uh, the full comprehensive scope of what it means to walk by faith and the life that God has called you to live. Because when God designed you, when God designed you way back in your pre-existed meeting, I like to call it the Jeremiah, you know, one and five revelation, before you were formed in your mother's womb. I believe there was a communion that God had with us. And he told us exactly who we were and what we we're going to do. And he put in us a desire to be who it was. Everything starts with God saying, okay, if you're going to be a, if you're going, if you're going to be a chef, you know, there's going to be something in you that's going to, that's going to attract you to food. There's going to be something in you that's going to yearn and want to yearn to cook and, 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 and understand food and study food and study nutrition and study health and wanting to know how to cook this and what's the best way to do this and how all this, there's going to be something in you that does that. So if that means you got to go to Africa to find out about this particular fruit, then you're going to have a desire to go to Africa. That's how that works. If you got a desire to cook squash a certain way, then you're going to go where they cook, where they grow squash, where they create squash, where they pick squash. If that's all the way in, in the, at the bottom of the ocean, you know, so what it is that you're designed to do, you're designed to do, God will give you a desire to get engaged and be involved in that, whatever it may be, whatever the circumstances. So when you talk about having to do something to go somewhere, God ain't going to actually do nothing you don't want. But first of all, God ain't going to violate your will. See, God is very, he's very wise. So, so I got a young man who, who's a musician. From the time he was two years old, he used to pull out the pots and pans when he could crawl. When he first started crawling, actually, mama said when he first started crawling, first thing he did was crawl, crawl to the storage cabinets where she would keep her pots and pans. Pulled out all the pots and pans and got a spoon and began to bang on the top of the pots and pans. It's two, two, three, two years old, crawling around, one years old, crawling around. It was in him. It was in him. Music was in him. Music was in him. It was just in him. So if God called him to the music, to do music in, you know, uh, in whatever medium or mode or, or genre, then, then he will have a desire for that. You know, I just believe the Bible says it's like this. Delight thyself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, if that's the truth, then why would God give me a desire or make me go somewhere that I don't desire? Make me do something I don't desire doing. I don't believe it. I don't believe that. I don't believe it. My answer to you is going to be no. To live by faith does not mean that you have to do something that you really don't want to do. You got to go somewhere that you really don't want to go. Now, granted, there is a place for, you know, once we come out of salvation, I mean, once we come out, come out of uh, darkness into light, and I may have had a desire when I was prior to salvation, I may have had a desire to own my own business. You know, I may have a desire to own a strip club or, or a nightclub or, or something like that. Now, now, once I get saved, my desires should change. Okay? My desire, I shouldn't have a desire to do those things that don't glorify his name. Now my desire may go from owning a, a, a club, a nightclub, to owning a, a, a diner. But I still want to own something. So there is a place to where, you know, if you're talking about trying to do something that you, if you haven't gone through the process of transformation, if you haven't gone through the process of dying to the old man, now you got conflict. Now we got other issues. So again, this is a general question, but you really got to get specific about it when it comes down to getting specific about it because because it'll it'll it could it could it could go a different lot of different ways. You know, I I would have to know the 
specifics of a person's, you know, life and lifestyle and, and where they are in Christ Jesus before I can really pinpoint and say, okay, you know, I see God saying go in this direction, God go in that direction. But generally speaking, you, God ain't going to ask you to do nothing you don't have a desire to do. Or he going to give you the desire before he asks you to do it. You may, you may never think that you could one day, you know, uh, you know, be in Africa or be in, you know, Israel or be in, you know, uh, Australia or be in, you know, New Zealand somewhere, you know, uh, being a chef or owning a business or, or, or teaching the gospel or doing whatever. But one day you're in, you in the presence of God worshiping and next thing you know, this thing rises up within you. Man, I, man, I got a desire to go to New Zealand. No, man, I got a desire to teach the word of God. You know, you know, you don't know. So bottom line to it is God has a way of working in you. As the scripture says, it's for the who he says, it says, work out our own salvation with fear and children, for it is he that worketh in us to both the, to willing to do of his good pleasure. He'll work it in you to want to do it. And then he'll give you the gumption to do it. Say, work out your own salvation with fear and children, for it is he which worketh both in us to will and to do. So he'll give us a desire and then he'll give us a mind to do, to execute. Okay, so to answer that question generally, it's no, because I know how God works. I know how Father will deal with you. He can begin to deal with you in that manner. Next question. Does living by faith mean I have to take a permanent vow of poverty? Oh, this is the one that really grieves my heart. Because religion has taught people that true commitment to God and true commitment to living by faith is the life of a priest, meaning you, you, you take a vow of poverty and you take a vow of not being married and you take a vow of giving up sex and, you know, you're supposed to focus on suffering and you know you get monks over there in 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 in, uh, in foreign countries you know whooping themselves and you know walking on glass and all kinds of stuff, trying to inflict pain on themselves all that stuff is, is 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 foolishness it's just flat-out foolishness Jesus said I can you may have life and have life more abundant okay so the idea that you know God wants us to take a vow of poverty I think is is man-made I think we have to look at the father by faith. The Bible says Abraham is the father of faith. Was Abraham impoverished? Did Abraham take a vow of poverty? Was Abraham broke? Part of the promise is that God said, I'm gonna make you a blessing. So God wants you to be blessed, not to the point to where you can be a blessing. I was listening to someone talk the other day, I can't even remember who it was, um, because, and they were saying that, you know, they're beyond blessed. And then someone asked him, well, what, what, how can you be beyond blessed? What's, what's beyond being blessed? Being a blessing. See, the highest form of the blessedness that God has for us is being a blessing, not being blessed. You know, if I'm blessed, you know, there's a degree of that where I'm just, you know, me and my folks are taking care of. But if I'm being a blessing, it's beyond me now. God told Abraham, I'm going to make you a blessing. God wants us to be a blessing. But in order for me to be a blessing, I have to be blessed myself. In order for me to pay your rent, I got to be able to pay my rent and take care of my children. In order for me to help you take care of your children, my first responsibility is to my children. So I got to be able to take care of mine first. 
So God wants us to be a blessing, you know. Now, I think what happens is people look at the lives of the apostles. So there is, there is credence, there is um, evidence, there is some validity to the, the concept of pioneers, the concept of trailblazers and those who, who are called to be first might not always experience the fruit of their, of their labor in their lifetime. There is that aspect of it. You know, uh, in, in, in Hebrews 11 chapter, it talks about Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob who all were given these promises and they saw the promise of all and, and, and they died in faith not experiencing those promises. They only got to understand and experience a degree of the blessing. But even in that, when you take those examples, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they had a degree of, 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 of uh, abundance and, and prosperity that, that God intended for them to have. But when you look at the lives of the apostles, when you look at Apostle Paul and you look at some of the, li the, the life of Peter, even when you look at Jesus' life, I don't believe Jesus was poor, but I don't believe he was, you know, a, a millionaire in the sense of dollars like we know today. But I believe he, he had everything he could possibly need. He was, he was self-sufficient, he was all, and he was all-sufficient. He had everything, and he did that as a man. So, is there a, is there a, is there a, um, a, a place for us maybe having to sacrifice living in an abundance of wealth for the establishing of a foundation, as Paul said. If we lay a foundation, because, because you're called to lay a foundation, you may not benefit from the fulfillment of the totality or the comprehensive build that will be built upon that foundation but that's a far cry from the vow of poverty that religion has placed upon people to where you know they do some of the ridiculous things that they do okay so i would say to the to the to the to the believer and to the i would say the uh how would i say it? the the normal see of the faith life is god wants you to be a blessing Therefore, he wants you to be abundant. He's giving you the power, the ability to be a wealth, to create wealth, to be a wealth so that you can be a blessing of the folks, okay? So, um, I really believe that that the, the notion of you, of us having to think about poverty uh, in order for us to walk by faith is a lie from the pit of hell. And the people said, next question, which is, I think is a great question. I gotta hurry because we're running out of time. How do I know when I have faith in my heart? Now this this is this is this is it's it's a it's a tough one, but it's not okay. So so the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, right? Um, David said that word, if I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. So we define faith as God's word in your spirit, right? We define faith as the word of God um, being being implanted or engrafted down in the inner man, in your spirit man. How you know when you have that word in your heart and in your spirit is more predicated on what you're compelled to do versus what you're not compelled to do. The best way that I use to describe to people uh, how do they know when, when they have the word of God in their heart when they don't is based upon how they act or how they react to certain situations. So the word in the heart, it, it does, it works two ways. 
it compels you to do or it compels you not to do, right? When, when you got the word in your heart, the Bible says it like this, Jesus seen their faith. See, I can see when you got the word in your spirit because it's about what, how is it that Jesus was able to see their faith? By what they did. See, people are of the notion that the faith life is, 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 is interesting. It's almost, it's an emanation. It's, it, it's, it's lived subconsciously. You do things at times or it comes forth naturally without you really thinking about it. If you got to try to live by faith, you probably not really living by faith. But to live by faith, the life of faith is a life that is, it's, it's lived from the overflow, so to speak. It's, it's lived out of the reserve of what you have down on the inside. A lot of times when you're living by faith, things come forth, things come out spontaneously without you trying to bring it forth. I had this thing that I used to say, if you're, if you're trying, then you don't really have it. You don't really have it. You don't have it. It's, it's got to be in you. You know when you got the word in your heart, when, when, when several things happen, when your language changes, when your thoughts change, when your actions change. When that word gets down in your spirit, you can't help but talk about it. When that word gets down in your spirit, you can't help but think about it. When that word gets down in your spirit, you can't help but want to do it. That's how you know. That's how you know that you know that you know. Now, because everything comes in degrees, you may not want to say things to, to, to the degree that I may want to say them if I have the same word in my heart. You might not want to do things to the same degree, but you have to mature that word. You have to cause that word to mature. Um, so to, to, to know when you have that word down in your heart is to know, is to say, is to think, is to do. And man, you just, you just know it. You just know, it's, just, it's like down in you. It's like you, it can't be taken from you. It's in you. It's, it's, it's in you. You know, you know it. You know, it's, it's hard to articulate, but you know that that's how you know. It's, you know, you just, it's just in you. You just know. You know, we call it intuition. We call it gut feeling. But man, I know, I know. I, it's in me. This thing in me. Because I can't help but talk about it. And I can't help but think on it. You know, it starts to come out of you. So when you want to know, you know, to those who, who want to know, you know, how do, I, how do I, you know, have that word in my, I know when I'm in, in faith in my heart. Is when you, when you, now, now there's a process, now there's a process that we go through to get to that. That's a whole nother question. But to know it, man, man, you, it's like, it's like, man, it's like that, that, you know, it's it. And, and you can look at some of the characteristics and some of the, you know, um, actions and outcomes of somebody's behavior and determine whether or not they got it in there. Okay. Uh, I hope that answers your question. I got, I got to get, I got to get to one more question. And then we're done. It says, how do I get to the place to where I become a doer of the word of God? And this question comes behind um, from me talking about one of my posts where I'm talking about being an executor. The word there in James, in James, the first chapter, I think it's 22nd verse, the Bible says, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So in James' day, there was a, the notion was that if, if they could, if you just sat around and you just listen to enough word, then, then things are going to happen in your life. And James said, no, 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 no. Now, actually, James is a pretty heavy book. James, listen, James was like, listen, I don't want to hear that. I don't, don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear, well, hear that. That's foolishness. You show me your works, your faith, um, I'll show you my works. I'll show you my faith by my works. You say you got faith, then prove it to me. He said, I can show you mine. I'll show you mine. Look at what I do. Look at this. Look at that. Look at this. Look at that. James said, listen, I ain't what you're you talking about. Now. I, I ain't with the talk game. I ain't with that. Some folk got a strong talk game. Some folk do more talking than they do doing. 
James said, nah, I'm not with that. No, 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 no. Faith without works, listen, you wasting my time. Get away from me. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. You faith said, even so faith, if it had not works, is dead. My God, dead, dead. Mean don't gone, don't mean a thing. Don't mean a thing. Faith without works don't mean a thing. As far as James was concerned, you can go ahead on with that one, you know. You got to get to the place where you become a doer, where you're going to be doing that thing, where you're going to be doing that thing. I'm talking about this on your mind, do it. You got to listen. Ain't nothing going to stop you from doing it. The question, how do you get to that point? Well, again, everything comes in degrees. And I would say three degrees, you know, to be specific. But I'm, I'm reminded of Psalm, the first chapter. The Bible says that in Psalm, that gives us the blueprint of how to become a doer, of how to manifest your the word that's in your heart as a doer. When you want to become a doer of the word, then you got to do what the first psalm say. First psalm says, Blessed is the man that walking not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standing in the way of the sinner, nor sitting to see the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law do he meditate day and night. This person shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in the season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he executed, he doeth, shall prosper. And I would dare to say that this is the progression by which you become an executor of the word. And you got to become an executor because the executors are the ones that get the inheritance. You have to be you have to be in a place to where you walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. So I'm not walking according to what folks say to me. I'm not listening to the, to the counsel of the ungodly, nor am I going to take a stand with sinners. So I got to cut them folk off. Okay, I'm talking about how do you become a doer? You got to get around people that want to do the things you want to do. Sinners don't want to do what the righteous want to do. Sinners don't want to live how the righteous want to live. Sinners don't want to stand with what the righteous stand for. They don't want. They don't want to walk in the way that the righteous want to walk in. Okay, they don't want to. And you can't sit in the seat of the scorn. So you can't. You can't listen. You can't walk according to the counsel of the ungodly. So you don't go to to uh, ungodly folk. Now, now, watch this. Just because somebody's not saved don't mean they're ungodly. I know. I know that done shook you up. I know. But just because somebody's not saved don't mean they're ungodly. You got a lot of unsaved folk that got a lot of godly wisdom. Okay, I ain't gonna argue with you. All right, then it says, um, you, can't, you can't walk in the way, of, 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 in the counsel of the ungodly, nor do you take a stand, nor do you stand in the way of sinners. Okay, you gotta leave sin folk alone. Nor do you take rest or sit in the seat of the scornful. You can't be around people who scorn for you. Can't take counsel from folks who scorn and folks who got you know heart issues. Here's the most important thing: your delight is in the law of the Lord. So once you delight yourself, once you delight yourself in the Word of God, once you get to the place where you're you're desirous and you're looking forward to and you're planning your life around the reading the Word of God and meditate. That word meditate is powerful. See, this answer, this goes to answer my the last question too. How do I know when I get the word of God in my heart? Oh, I'm sorry. The process, I said, I'll talk about the process of getting the word in your heart. The process through meditation is a part of the process of getting the word of God in your heart. You got to meditate on the word. I, I'll share with you this. The Lord showed me the, the process of or, or the outcome of meditation is when I was watching Nature Channel. I'm a big Nature Channel watcher. I love to watch Nature Channel. They were doing a special on squirrels. They was watching squirrels. And the squirrel was hungry. He was trying to eat something. He wanted to get something to eat. And you know, squirrels go get acorns. And so there was an acorn and the squirrel was found the acorn, climbed up in the tree and, and ate off the, the stem and the acorn fell on the ground. He climbed down, got on the ground. Um, then, he, then he pushed the acorn around with his head. Then he started rolling the acorn down the hill. And he'd walk back up, then he pushed the acorn back up the hill. Then he rolled the acorn back down the hill. And I'm like, what is the squirrel doing? The squirrel's trying to get that meat. The squirrel's trying to get that life that's on the inside of that acorn. Then he rolled it back down the hill. And, and down the hill was rocky. So 
as the acorn was going down, all of a sudden it ran into a rock, boom, and it cracked open. I said, praise God. Meditation. That's what meditation do. It means to mutter. It means to say over and over. It means to roll over. And as the, as the score was rolling the acorn downhill, Father spoke to me. Holy Spirit spoke to me. That's the power of meditation. You got to roll that thing. You got to mutter that thing. You got to say that thing over and over and over. You got to think of it over and over. Then one time you're going to hit a thought. That thought going to explode open. And you're going to see all the life. And that life now from that, from that logos is now becomes raiment. And it then fills your heart. Word is in the heart, baby. It's in the heart, baby. That's how you become a doer. You got you to meditate in the word day and night. When you meditate in that word day and night, now you're going to be established. Man, you're going to be planted. You're going to be planted. You're going to take root. Once you begin to take root. You begin to produce fruit. There it is. Once you begin to take root, you will begin to produce fruit. See, you become a doer automatically. You become a doer spontaneously. You become a doer as an outcome. See, you don't focus on becoming a doer. You focus on getting planted. Becoming a doer is an outcome. Yeah. Becoming an executor is an outcome. So for me to just yell at you and say, be a doer. You got to do it. Go do something. No, it don't work like that. Being a doer is an outcome. It's an outcome of walking out in the council of the ungodly, no standing in the way of sinners, no sitting in the seat of the scornful, but delighting yourself in the Lord and meditating in his word day and night and being planted by the rivers of water, which brings forth fruit in the season. And whatsoever you do it, prospers. So how do you become a doer? I'm going to just, I'm going to abbreviate it for you. By delighting yourself in the law of the Lord, meditating on the word day and night, being planted by the, tree, by the rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in your season, and whatsoever you do with prosperous. When you get your, when you delight in the Lord, you meditate in the word of God, and you plant yourself in the house of God, you can become a doer. Hey, I got to go. My time is up. I want to thank uh, uh, those who sent in those questions. And uh, I want you to, you know, ask questions. Go to all of our social media. Go to our, our, our um, Facebook page, um, Damaris Johnson. Go to our Instagram. Go to our um, Twitter account. You can go to our LinkedIn and, and post your questions. You can go to my, you can email, your, email me your questions. If you go to our, our um, uh, Instagram account, I got my email address up there. Email your questions so that, I, listen, I'm not going to waste your time talking to you about stuff that don't matter about how you're going to live life by faith. I'm going to give you the in-depth insight that you need and that you, the questions you need to have, the how-to of how to live by faith so that you can experience the abundant life Jesus Christ called you to experience. Because that's what it's all about. Anything, anything short of that is a waste of your time. The faith life. Read your Gospels. Jesus, Jesus, according to that faith, be it unto you. Listen, Jesus did this powerful thing. Peter was about to go through something. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he might sip this week, but I prayed for you. Now, Jesus could have prayed, listen, that's Jesus. Jesus had a bad boy. He could have prayed that this devil would be rebuked. He could have prayed all kind of things. But what did he pray? Anybody know what he prayed? He prayed that Peter's faith would not fail him. Man, that's a powerful thing. Man, that's a powerful thing. Man. Your faith is your most powerful weapon. <sighs> yeah, I know it's a lot of talk about the grace of God, and the grace, but I think it's, a, it's been perverted. Because I don't care how much grace you have, if you ain't got no faith, you can't even access that grace. But Jesus prayed that Peter's faith wouldn't fail. That's a powerful prayer. I'm telling you, that's a powerful prayer. I'm praying that your faith 
will be stronger and it won't fail you in Jesus' name. Now go live that life God has called you to live. God bless you. I'll see you next time right here from The Faith Life.